Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt, and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. It's always great for more parents to hear these stories and get the information. All right, thank you, and on with the show. I had a lovely time over Christmas. There was no rushing, no double drop-off. It was a great break from the rat race of life. And now that I'm heading back into the full throttle of work, daycare, school, I'm feeling a little bit daunted. Uh, And mainly because I just... I actually can't remember how I did it all. I don't know how I found the energy. I know how I organized myself. I just don't know how I kept doing it week after week. And the other side of this coin is that my kids have really enjoyed spending time with myself and my partner. And, you know, that kind of connection, you have all that time together and then they have to go back to school and they don't see you as much. So I don't really anticipate it's going to be a smooth start to the year. With this in mind, I've invited Penny Gibson uh, onto the show. She's a mental health clinician and she runs Capacity Therapeutic Services for Kids and Families. And I'm hoping she can give us all some guidance on how to get back into the swing of things. Hi, Penny. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. I'm well. It's a pleasure to be back speaking with you. Let's start with kids, whether they're going back to daycare or starting school for the first time or maybe going back to second or third year. For small children, it can be a bit of a shock to the system after having all this connection and time with their family. So separation anxiety might be something that's coming up even before they go back. Um, is there any way of managing that well? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, there's no doubt that this time of year can be such a relief when the rest of the calendar year is so hectic and as much as you enjoyed that time together, we do start gearing up about the year ahead and some of that dread might return. And for some children, especially if they're starting something new like kindergarten or going into prep in their first year at school, there can be a lot of uncertainty. And so it's important that we start to have those conversations with them and get them thinking ahead of, you know, what's this year going to look like? And so my advice is to start having those conversations, giving them an opportunity to ask you some questions or share any concerns or uncertainty or stress about what this new routine and this new life might be like for them going into a new environment and a new um, schedule day-to-day and week-to-week. Do you think that part of the conversation can be saying, look, you will be at school or prep or kindy or whatever it is for five days a week, and but we are going to have a special day. Our Thursday afternoon is going to be our special day when mummy takes you out for a coffee or something like that to tell them that you will still have that time together. Because I think the thing I struggle with is when we're back into the swing of things and I'm working and the kids are at school, our times together aren't really um, relaxed. <laughs> you know, they're well, pushing somewhere them out. to be and somewhere to go. Yes, all yes. Of that. Yeah. I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of um, 
providing lots of reassurance. You know, I know the routine's going to change and we're going to be spending time apart when you've gotten used to spending all this time with me, but I'm thinking about it too and I and I want to make sure that we can set aside some time after school each day or, you know, one night a week where we do something together that's really special and I'm a big believer in rituals so doing something each week that they can look forward to and get excited about and that kind of is a marker for that quality time Um, and I yeah I'm definitely an advocate for quality over quantity because as you say there's a lot of families who are struggling with you know having those moments where they can connect really meaningfully and authentically without having to go somewhere else or be somewhere else or you know fulfill the different responsibilities they have. Do you have any examples of what those rituals might be? Yeah, sure. So it might be that Friday night's like a takeaway night. So you do pizza or a pasta or something that still you know feels a bit indulgent. Or after school each day, it's going to a particular park for a brief play or going to a particular cafe where they can get a hot chocolate and something to eat that they really like. So anything that's, you know, easy and achievable, that's probably the most important thing, that you're not committing to rituals like we're going to go do these fantastical things that we can't actually execute, making them small bouts of time and also making them realistic in terms of location um, and what's available with your resources. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Penny Gibson. She's a mental health clinician at Capacity Therapeutic Services for Kids and Families. And we're talking about gearing up for re-entering the rat race, just, you know, picking up all those balls, how your kids will feel about going back into uh, care or school after spending so much time with you. Another thing um, is, I guess, Penny, kids start daycare at different ages, but let's say they're starting for the first time this year around two years of age, which is quite young. How can parents help that process for really young kids who may not have the same um, capacity for understanding as older children do. Yeah, sure. So again, it comes down, I think, to having those conversations where they're really reassuring of what their feelings might be like associated with those experiences and also normalising those feelings that, you know, when I started school or when I started that experience, I felt the same way. And you can draw upon the experience of older siblings too if you've got that. And then you can start thinking about Um, if it's, you know, trying to deal with some of that separation anxiety or that challenge of separating for the first time, you know, in the routine that you've had, thinking about whether there's comfort items that they can take with them in their bags that remind them of home, whether it's the, you know, blankie or a certain toy, all those particular things can be really helpful. And I guess it can be something that you think about with children as young as two and, and through to school age about, thinking about those routines now. So with a couple of weeks left to go before the rat race begins again, you know, what do those routines look like and how do we establish patterns of our interactions? So do we pack our bag the night before? Do we get our clothes out the night before? What do we do in the morning? So they get used to all the little activities that are associated with this new experience for them. With regards to having something that's comforting, say a small toy or a blankie, Is that something that you would recommend for children starting school for the first time? I know schools have different rules about what you can take to school in terms of of toys, but do they still need that kind of comfort when they're starting school? It will really depend on the child, Siobhan. Some children rely a lot on those 
on those comfort items and there's certainly nothing wrong with them if that's the case. And as you say, some schools do have guidelines about what they can and can't bring from home. But if it's reasonable, you know, if it's just one item that they can keep in their bag, if they need a bit of a reminder or a bit of a touch point about something that's at home or being reminded they'll be going home soon, that can be really positive. And those conversations can occur between the parent and the teacher in those first few days just to ease the the transition as best they can and say, this is the solution we've come up with and we hope it works. Talk to me about goodbyes. Now, I think this must apply to all age groups if the child doesn't really like being left. I remember when my kids started childcare we were always told, be clear, make sure you say goodbye firstly, but make it affectionate but quick and then get out of there because the longer you linger, the harder it will be. Is this true still of very small children? And would you recommend that same approach all the way up to school-aged kids or are they a bit more resilient once they get to school? Yeah, there's a couple of things in there that you've said that I think are really poignant in the sense that the advice you've been given about it being affectionate but quick actually still does work. And I think that relies on trusting the professionals that you're leaving um, in your children in their hands, you know, that they've got that under control, that they can help your child to calm down, that they will help them build a positive attachment to this new daycare centre or kindergarten or school and that if there are concerns, you know, if they do remain distressed for a long period of time, that they will call you and the fact that they probably haven't is because they might cry for a period of time but then they settle and they actually enjoy being there. And so with school it's the same, you know, you walk in, you talk about school positively, you gear them up for it and then you say, look, that's me, I'm going to go, off you go to school, matter of fact. Um, And I think that really does work in practice. You just have to do it, right? (laughs) I've been guilty of some, for some reason, going between daycare and school. I just forgot that rule. And uh, for the last year, I've been waiting before she goes into class during kindergarten. She made me wait until they walked off in their lines. And sometimes I thought, actually, I'm making this worse for her by staying. But I just forgot that little rule about... Yeah, it's hard to know because, as I said, it really depends on each child. And if that's something that you can manage in your routine, like you don't have to rush off, then that might be something you think is okay for a little while and then you transition to doing something else after a few weeks. You know, kids have a a very slow process of change. So if those little things make them feel good about themselves, then don't feel guilty about it. (laughs) Oh, I love that. And a reason not to feel guilty. (laughs) I'm a parent. I feel it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Listen, the other thing, and this is totally coming from my own perspective, What if they're going into, I guess, their second year of school? So they've made their little friends in their first year of school and they might become separated from that peer group. Do you have any advice on how you might talk to your child about that if it happens? Yeah, um, I think, look, it's understandably upsetting for your child and to them it might feel like the absolute end of the world if they're not with their buddies that they've made. And so it's okay to tell them that those feelings are normal you know it's okay that you miss your friend or I understand that you want those friends in your class but it's also our role to help children build resilience we can't mold the world around us exactly how we want it and so you can help them to realize that there's other opportunities that they have to spend with those particular friends either during school breaks at recess and lunchtime or being able to facilitate play dates you know outside of school hours and it might be that you can share your own experiences of 
making new friends at school each year. I know personally, you know, I wasn't with my friends each and every year and it meant that I was forced to make new friends with new and different people and that was a really positive experience. So just being able to share that that can be nice and something to look forward to as well. Um, The other thing that might come up out of that is that they're saying they don't find school as enjoyable anymore because of not having those peer connections with them all the time. The reality is, though, that most schools will not take requests for swapping students around in classes. So you do need to find other ways and support them to find other ways to make school positive again, whether it is taking that comfort item or a toy to share with their friends or encouraging them to join a lunchtime club or building a connection with a particular teacher they like. So there's all those things that they can do that help them to understand they will be fine, they will get through this and as much as it feels like the end of the world, there are lots of positives to see in the situation too. Look, finally, I have to ask about the parents. You know, what about us? <laughs> of course. The, That's it. You know, you're holding everyone. <laughs> well, it can feel like a bit of a grind. And when you've sort of loosened the reins for a while over the, the summer break, it, it can feel really daunting to get back into it. That period where you feel like there is no time for anything. Do you have any tips on how we might ease back into that? <laughs> Sure. I think this has been something that most uh, families have been thinking about this week as we've all returned back to work and the shock to the system. And the way I think about it is that if we have a shock to the system as adults, then we kind of need to buffer it, you know, four times as much for children. So, you know, I think if we're coming into talking about routines, which are particularly important for kids, then it needs to be considered about their bedtime routine. That's probably the thing that gets thrown out the window as much with these long summer nights that you know, kids are staying up later and then they're getting up later. So if you can muster the strength to try and enforce a bedtime routine again so that they are going to bed earlier, you're getting up at the same time each day, then at least on day one of school, it's not as awful for everyone in terms of the adjustment. And I think, you know, as you said at the start, you've done it before. You've just kind of forgotten how you did it. You know? <laughs> yes. So you just need to remind yourself that you can do it and, and also rely on the help around you. I know lots of parents, especially working parents, put a lot of pressure on themselves to accommodate everything and find it hard to ask for help. But the reality of school drop-offs, when you're saying there's double drop-offs and lots of things to consider is that we do need help. So whether that's from family members or friends or getting a nanny or a babysitter or using the out-of-school hours care at the school, just think about ways you can draw upon that help to make your life a little bit easier each and every day. Penny, thank you so much for that advice. Pleasure. Thank you so much, Siobhan, and good luck. Thank you. (laughs) That's Penny Gibson. She's a mental health clinician at Capacity Therapeutic Services for Kids and Families. Hi, we're the Beanies. Get your child off screens and into their imagination as we explore how bubbles are made. What's in a sneeze? Achoo! And what's with the weather today? Professor Know-It-All knows. Hello, Beanies. Hello. The The Beanies. A podcast just for kids. Subscribe now on iTunes or listen anytime on the Kindling app.